selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. You know, <laughs> okay, it's actually just so funny because what I love about Shopify is no matter how huge and massive you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control, yes, daddy, and take your business to the next level because we're business women. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash book club. That's shopify.com slash book club, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash book club. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Who's that knocking at the door? It's all your friends, you filthy whore. Your husband's gone and we've got books and a bottle of wine to kill. It's Hollywood. It's books. It's gossip. I'm shook. It's memoirs. It's martinis. It's Studio 54. It's Celebrity Book Club. Come read it while it's hot. Celebrity Book Club. Tell your secrets, we won't talk. Celebrity Book Club. No boys are allowed. Celebrity Book Club. Club. Buzz me in, I brought the Cuervo. Could you be any more my, my best, best friend? friend? Hey, Lily Marotta. Hello, Stephanie Phillips Horst. Hello, dear listeners. We welcome you back into the sacred red womb known as the iHeart Studio in Midtown Manhattan. Hello to my ladies. Is anyone out there on their flow while we're sitting here in the red room? Whoop, whoop. Blood in the boardroom. I want everyone to know that the energy at iHeart is electric right now because there's an influencer summit happening tomorrow that we really were not invited to. It's so weird and awkward. It's probably... They were honestly probably nervous, I think, to ask us. Oh, for sure. So, yeah. They're, like, we, they're probably so busy. We walk into the lobby and we see mm, six teens all carrying bags that say Fleo on them. It's a really cool makeup brand that's nearby. And then just kind of like some other teens wandering. And then there's girls with badges. So I go up to the girls with badges because I'm a Because you're an intrepid explorer. <laughs> soul. And I say, so what's um the event happening today? And they go... Yeah, there's an event in the Duncan Lounge. <laughs> but they emphasize, and, and they, this will and, come up later. And they ended up loud. They were just like, and yeah, and you would know what that means. So yes. I'm just going to stop at Duncan Lounge. And the way they said Duncan Lounge, almost like it could have been a name. Like Duncan Lounge. Yeah. Have you met Duncan Lounge? The new, He's blowing up the Nashville charts, Duncan Lounge. So I kind of nod and I'm like, oh, like hoping to reveal who's performing the Duncan Lounge. And then they're like, mm, yeah, there's a performance. 
I'm like, okay. It's really more about the lounge than it is who's performing. It could be anyone in that Dunkin' Lounge. And the fact that we're just finding out that there's, and oh, then I go, because I then I asked her, I go, Dunkin' Donuts? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> the fact that we've been recording this building for now a month and a half. I've never heard of a Dunkin' Lounge. And we're from Boston. Right. I have a question for you before we yeah. get into it. Yeah. What's going on with you and your relationship with Dunkin' Donuts? Are you still getting your big milks? No. I've pivoted after leaving Dunkin' and then going to just like no coffee because I was so like, I get energy from the world mm. and working out is like enough to really spice me up. The art of living. Um, and just feeling like coffee was just a little bit too jittery janky. Yeah. I'm kind of back on a very normal espresso tip now. So I do go to variety, like a basic indie girl. Okay. And recently, the past week, I've really been on a whole milk tip because I just find it so tasty. So, well, your original thing was whole milk. Yeah. You're the original whole milk girl, big hood in your fridge, yeah. pouring it up. Mommy, can I have a big glass of whole milk? Yeah, suck it's, on those teats, It's also honey. very like it girl two years ago. It is it girl two years ago. And we'll be talking about it girls in today's VIP lounge. Um, My new thing, not that new, is cortados. Making my own <laughs> cortados. And I make espresso in my little Italian flag pot. Shaken and cocktail shaker. Yeah, you've become really like the no. nine-step TikToker. No, yeah. Just being like, when my wife wakes up in the morning to do her WFH, I spend 45 minutes creating the perfect craft coffee for her. Well, and then just listing all the products you use. And then I have I have like eight beakers in front of me, and I'm like, I tiptoe not to wake her up. <laughs> <laughs> and then I heat up my like Breville um, boiling pot. There is this TikTok I follow speaking of influencers uh, that's like, follow me in my day as a stay-at-home mask. (laughs) (laughs) We have a lot to get into today. We have a lot to discuss. We have a, sorry, I'll just say it, a big old celebrity. Could this book be any more popular? Could, Could this person be any more famous? Could this author be any more sad? No, could this author really be any more mired in just like endless loneliness? I don't think so. No. Today, (laughs) we read, and I tried to dress as him, and we'll process that. Yeah. Stephen had some critiques, of course. (laughs) The critic is present. (laughs) Sorry, it's what I do. It's what I do. I mean, I have something to say. (laughs) Um, We read. You may know him from a little TV show called Friends. Sorry, I don't watch Friends. It's racist, homophobic, and the apartments are not realistic. Thank you. Can I just say that? You wouldn't have a big apartment if you were a sous chef working in Manhattan in 1992. The star of my favorite show, Matthew Matthew Perry. Perry. And his memoir, Friends, Lovers, Lovers, and and the the Big big, Terrible thing. Thing. Forward by Lisa, by Lisa Kudrow, Kudrow so the funniest woman in the world, according to Matthew. And I will say, I do think Lisa Kudrow and Julia Louis-Dreyfus are the two funniest television actresses. I absolutely agree. So if you don't know, Matthew Perry <laughs> is an actor who we just discussed. And he had this really, he's, he's an addict and he's battled addiction his whole career. And he was famously high. quite rich and successful. Yeah, if you guys, again, didn't know. No spoilers, um, but Friends is a show about six people, and they all made a million dollars an episode towards the later seasons. Which, I, we actually learned, David Schwimmer yeah. fought for in season one. Talk, t- talk about 
putting your money where your mouth is and living by your values. Yeah. So, so season one, Schwimmer was actually kind of the most successful. He was like the first one to ride the friend's fame to more outside the show success. So like first one to get a big movie, first one to like go on Leno and go on Letterman, all that stuff. They were also like, I would say he was pushed as the male lead because yeah. of there was a little storyline. I don't know if you guys know about this. Ross and Rachel, will they or won't they? And if Spoiler you, yeah. alert to my and, folks who never finished. And if you saw the Friends reunion on HBO Max two and a half years ago, you'll... So depressing. So depressing and Matthew Perry is so viked so, out on that. And it's, I, he's really like mumble, like slurry and it's really sad. And he has all of his new teeth. It's it's And it's his cheeks sad. are like big. But we'll get to that. We'll get to it. But on that reunion... It's revealed that David Trimmer and Jennifer Aniston had hooked up, hooked up, and had a kind of like onset flirtation that whole first season. So that was also coming out in the storyline, and I think again, as we we're saying, that kind of propelled him to be like <laughs> leading man status, kind of head of the pack, the Red Ranger, if you will, to use the Power Ranger terminology. Totally. And what we learned from Matthew is that Marta Kaufman, who mm -hmm. created Friends, who also yeah. also created like. Every other like successful like '90s sitcom. It's like David E. Kelly and Marta Kaufman and Crane. Crane, David Crane. They also did Frasier, if I'm correct. Right, David E. Kelly did Just Shoot Me. Anyway, they're all like all the NBC all the, shows. Yeah. They were basically like urbane comedies about like sophisticated white coastal people like having fun and having fabulous apartments and like having a gay friend and like. Well, in Friends, there was no gay friends. But all those shows are gay coded. Well, Chandler is gay. Wow. You think more so than Ross. Ross to me, I don't know, they're like both incels, but like also both gay. Like Ross to me is like classic, more big dick straight guy that's nerdy. I agree with you 100%. I also think that maybe Matthew Perry has no, some latent yes, homosexuality, okay. which is referenced in this book. When and he like, makes I mean, out. This book being called The Big Terrible Thing, and you're just like, is it? To me, if I may thing? just. And he jump. always talks about how alcohol fills a hole. And there's so yes. much language about holes in this book. So he also frames his addiction around the fact that his, like, he felt his mother never loved him and he felt abandoned. Right, the classic the, the childhood you know, trauma informs the rest of and your life. The yeah. And the dad left. Right. So he becomes, like, impotent at age 14 because he starts, like, drinking. And he doesn't know that, like, you can have sex with alcohol. And then he's, like, really tying the two together and thinking that he can never have sex. And he's, like, has this physical problem with girls. And he's, like, oh, and I always, in all my relationships, I always pulled away and broke up with them before they could become too involved. And to me, that just felt closeted. Mm. Not that he, like, because if he fully, maybe, no, I do actually think he's bi and I rarely say that men is bi. That men is bi. Men is bi. Men is bi, and I do think Matthew Perry is bi. I think, like, he certainly, like, is sexually attracted to the most, like, L.A. random brunettes. Mm -hmm. Named just, like, Rachel and Jamie and Darcy and Tracy. Yeah. But he talks about, you know, early on in his Hollywood days, sharing a bed with an actor, a friend. He, they're, in, they're in Vegas. It's He's David like, Pressman. It's part of his squad. That's him, David Pressman, Hank Azaria, and, and Craig, Craig Bierko. Bierko. And they would all hang out. All and these, if you like, guys don't know who Craig Bierko is, he plays the jazz guy in Sex in the City that Carrie sleeps with. He also, if you're a fan of the amazing show Unreal, which is about the staff of a Bachelor-style show. Which is so good. He plays the love interest, like, 
for the producer. Okay, so here's the scene. I once made out with David Pressman, and, or tried to, though I didn't mean to, either way. When we were in our early 20s, he and I and a couple other guys headed east to Vegas to do the Vegas thing. We basically had no money, but that had never before stopped four idiots heading to Sin City. I think I had about 200 bucks in my pocket. The four of us rented one motel room off the strip with two beds. I shared a bed with David in the middle of the night. I guess I was dreaming about Gabby, my ex, and was inching closer and closer to David, saying things like, Aw, baby, and you smell so good, and I promise I'll be quick. He, too, was mercifully asleep, but his subconscious had the wherewithal to keep saying no and back up and leave me the fuck alone. Eventually, I started kissing the back of his neck, which caused us both to startle awake. Seeing the horrified look on his face, I said, oh, just forget it and scuttled back to my side of the bed. I've just never like sleep made out. Mm. But just knowing you've gone to bed with your one friend. Oh, right. No, there's no like there's no confusion other than I must have been having a dream about my ex, Gabby. Gabby. And like kissing the back of the neck is so intimate. There'd be one thing if you're like, I had a wet dream and I got like hard. Yeah. But just being like, I was like seductively kissing your neck in Vegas. Yeah. Although sometimes when you're on the subway and you're near someone's neck, don't you just want to nuzzle them a little bit? I, I think more <laughs> about sometimes you're just like, what if you're just like, what if we just made out right now? <laughs> Sorry, I'm like a subway creeper. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about his childhood. Yeah, he, but well, I guess I oh, want to. We, had, we also we had to, like a very long point we were making. I need to, as you say, close the thread also on the gay and the, the homophobia and like why he is gay. Marta Kaufman took every cast member of Friends out. They had a full method to make like the chemistry rock. Mm-hmm. They took Chandler out to lunch. Sorry, Matthew Perry. And they like got to know him to influence the character. Chandler's whole character is that he has a drag queen father and a fabulous mother and they're divorced and he's always like complaining about his like tranny dad and like he's the most homophobic character on friends right in this very closeted way yeah and he also like they made him have like the most trouble with women on friends to reflect to reflect his actual trouble in life and how he is so needy and always cracking a joke because he feels uncomfortable and like has to make everyone laugh and is so desperate. And he can't accept any silence. He also dates Janice, who right. is like a full camp right. gay character. He's a camp gay Chandler. icon. <laughs> <laughs> we had to do it. <laughs> the one where we do friends impressions for an hour. I want to go, by the way, I've been like dying to pay $45 oh, plus to go sit fees. on the orange couch at the Friends <laughs> activation. At the Friends experience. <laughs> Someone I heard can hook that up. Um, From the Duncan Lounge to the Friends okay. couch. So let, let's backtrack. He is a proud Canadian American hockey fan. <laughs> the phrase Canadian American. No, yes. It's so insane. It's kind of like you don't even need to say you're Canadian, let alone stipulate Canadian that you're Ameri- Canadian American. Because I guess what the thing is, he's really trying to play because he was actually born in Massachusetts. Massachusetts randomly. Williamstown. Williamstown, <laughs> which is where? That's like Berkshire's theater. Right. Where he oh, later. It's being so like Tanglewood. Yes. Yeah, where it's just like, I've never been to Tanglewood. By yeah. The way. <laughs> Other places. You uncultured said, slob. <laughs> if only. Go fund me. My first note here in Big Bold, which I learned is okay, not his mom being. Pierre Trudeau's press aide. No, the press secretary to Pierre Trudeau, for those who don't know, father of Justin Trudeau, current PM, and former PM of Canada, Pierre Trudeau, who, like, dated so many women and was, like, way more of a fabulous playboy than Justin. And 
Matthew Perry suggests that his mom was and fucking. Was fucking yeah. It sounds like Pierre was dipping his little loony into all the inkwells mm, in Quebec. Baking his baguette and yeah. dipping it in some maple sausage. <laughs> There's, you know, so around one years old or two years old, his parents are what, 20? Yeah. And they drive to Niagara Falls from Massachusetts. To like move to Canada and then like at the falls his dad bounces and is like, actually I'm 21, I'm going to go to LA to become an actor. That is the most like Hollywood like father leaving. And it's like the grandfather takes Matthew Perry at the falls. Yeah. And um, his dad ends up being the Old Spice man. Uh, Yeah. So let me read this. And this is like kind of encapsulates his childhood trauma that informs his later alcoholism and addictions. So now he's living in Ottawa while his mom is just like on the phone being such a glamorous press Yeah, It is very like single mom at 20 that all of a sudden she's like fabulous. And he is watching his dad be the old spice guy on TV. I saw his face more often on TV or in magazines than I did in reality. Perhaps that's why I became an actor. What kind of man whistles the Old Spice tune? He's my daddy, goes the voiceover from one 1986 ad as a little blonde boy with a bowl cut puts his arms around my actual father's neck. My practically perfect husband, the smiling blonde wife intones. And though it's sort of a joke, it was never very funny to me. It's just like, he's literally watching his dad. Be a pimp. Be a pimp and literally play with a son that is not him. So of course that's going to really ratchet up the abandonment issues. And then... This is where it gets so gross, and he, like, blames... He slut-shames his mother, basically. Mm, mm. And, like, is like, that's why I have trouble with women. He's reflecting on, you know, watching her at these political functions. I've spent my life being attracted to unavailable women. It doesn't take a psychology degree to figure out that this had something to do with my relationship with my mother. My mother captivated every room she entered. I vividly remember being at some fancy ballroom when I was about six years old. And when my mom came in, every head in the room turned. I wanted her to turn and look at me in these moments. But she was working, could not. It only took me 37 years to work that out. Yeah. That's I mean, to me. Well, I mean, but is it not? It's classic. But is it not? I mean, how would... Your relationship with your mom not informing your relationship with women. Mm, I'm talking about how just like he continually places all the blame of his relationship with women on the fact that his mom was just like a press aide and then got remarried. Well, I don't think it's the blame, but it is the, it's just the reenactment. We're reenacting the dynamic where it's like the mom was ignoring him. And so he's like, oh, I want a woman ignores me. And then when the woman doesn't ignore him, which is so many of these wonderful relationships he had in his life. He pushes them away. No, I understand the reenactment. I'm just talking about kind of like just the Oedipalness of it. It's like so obvious in this way. I'm just being like, I was so in love with my mother. Yeah. It's kind of like. Well, it's actually maybe you wanted to be her. Yeah, that's what I see more. I'm like. Well, I mean, this comes, I think this, this, you could say this about a lot of like, you know, parenting where it's like, on the one hand, a parent is someone that you want to love you. And so. However they act towards you is how you're gonna is, is the way you want other people to act towards you later in life. On the other hand, parents also a role model. Mm. And so the parent that is fabulous and gets a lot of attention and is like, you know, self-motivated, that also can make you act that way as an adult and can be very valuable. It's more makes sense to me that later in the book when he's like to his mom, he's like, you never told me you were proud of me and friends. And, like, you never reference Friends episodes. Yeah. 
that like to me is a little more like gay and makes sense. And yeah. I feel like he. No, and I mean, and the father. <sighs> I mean, the father being so jealous. Well, so jealous, Canadian American. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, we're always trying to repair the damage our parents done. And the mother gets married, and though the mother claims you were always first, not Keith Morrison. But he felt left out, which does make, I'm just like, and then they started having all these kids and he was a lot older. Yeah, I mean, that that's very just like, they have a, a new family. And, and he you're... was like, well, I wasn't part of it. Yeah. So mom, I'm going to move to LA in with dad. And the mom saw it as him abandoning her. Mm. And this cycle of abandonment continues. Yes, it continues. So he moves into LA. His dad drinks six vodka tonics. A night. But he could handle his liquor as the old spice man. Yes. And that, and Matthew's always like, now is the difference. He was a drinker. I was an addict. So he, the first time he drinks is like with his friends, who he also says he invented, like Chandler's way of speaking with, which we'll get to. I'm wondering, do you remember your first drink? My first sip of alcohol was my father, Sam Adams, at Chili's in Harvard Square. But my first, like, I remember me, Sam, Ellen, Hamilton went to like a cabin in New Hampshire and we all shared one oatmeal stout <laughs> that was there and warm. And that was so loser. It's just like. Wow, it's like the most loser ass versus drinking experience. It really was. I think that the first time I got really drunk was on the French trip mm, in, in Paris. Like oh, abroad. Yeah, like abroad, like in, when I was like 14. And I was like staying with my homestay family, but then like meeting up with the other kids and the homestay siblings like at night and just like drinking like five screwdrivers in like a park in Paris and getting completely blackout. When you went like sophomore year? Yeah. Celebrity Book Club. It was that summer. That summer I started using Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth makes elevated loungewear and amazing, luxurious, soft bedding that surpasses even the finest hotel sheets for a restful night's sleep on your travels or at home. I love Cozy Earth so much that I got it as a present for my spouse. And the things that happened on that bed, you wouldn't believe it. I got their joggers and oh my God, it almost feels like you're nude, better than nude. It feels like you're swimming in the most luxurious ocean. So stay cool and comfy during long flights with Cozy Earth's temperature regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew, adding mm, a touch of style to your travel ensemble. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code CBC at checkout to get 35% off. And let them know we sent you after checkout, okay? Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling scented coffins or outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. You know, okay, it's actually just so funny because what I love about Shopify is no matter how huge and massive you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control. Yes, daddy. And take your business to the next level because we're business women. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., 
I'm talking Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklyn, and all your favorite DTC brands. Do you want to be a Brooklyn in business, or do you want to be the sad girl selling candles on the subway? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash book club. That's shopify.com slash book club, all lowercase. If you do it uppercase, it won't work. Just like your sales if you don't use Shopify. Shopify.com slash book club. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I want to talk about how he, quote unquote, invented a way of speaking with the Murray brothers at age 14. Right. And how all of America then started talking like that. Could I be podcasting anymore right now? Could I be anymore in podcast? Or that kind of like, I'm putting the emphasis on the word you weren't expecting? And also being like sarcastic in 90s. I think there is a little element of hyper, what I'm calling like hyper nerd culture now that's like so like Marvel adult mm-hmm. that I do think is r- related to that. This like this faux incredulity of being of being like, whoa, okay, I'm being sarcastic yes, all the time. I'm yeah. a walking out of the room right now. Yeah. I do think two things happen. I do it like kind of combine because... I think it's like with Gen X, slacker, coffee, sarcasm is my personality. That like also was happening. It was kind of in there. And then I think like Chandler talking like this it, came yeah, together. It, the, I th- the sarcasm of the 90s was more deadpan. And I think Chandler did make it a little more, more like exaggerated. Alive, and, like- and he introduced this exaggeration. And now it's like when I hear like in so many like mainstream comedies now and then, you know, and probably in Dungeons and Dragons sessions across the country. It's like that kind of like, you know, it's like how every super movie has, it's like the joke, they have that like really bad joke where they're like breaking the fourth wall and I'll just be like, wow, okay, so we've got, we've got aliens with lasers now? Like, oh, sorry. Like, so the guns have wheels now? You know what I mean? They're always like making those kind of jokes. Like, I think that actually maybe does come from Chandler. No, I I do think You can maybe trace a line. I do think he influenced a generation. Yeah. But it also may have been co-influence where it was bubbling up at the same time. It may not necessarily have been purely. Yes, it wasn't. It was like from him. him. But then, like I was thinking about like Janine and just like her total deadpan of talking. Yes. But like, is she is intonating certain ways? And I just think there's this whole kind of it's a circle of Gen X. Yes, absolutely. With heavy Bing influence. One thing about this book is, and I do find Chanley very funny. This whole book is about him saying how funny he is. There's not one funny part in this book. No, it's not a funny book. It's a deadly serious book about addiction. He's like, I'm hilarious. And because I'm so hilarious, not that he needs to be funny. It's an incredibly lonely book. And it's lonely even in like the foreword by Lisa Kudrow. Mm. It's kind of like, it doesn't sound like she knows him very well. Like she literally is just being like, Oh, I didn't really like understand that he had. It's only like one page long, 
And she's like, truly, I wasn't sure exactly how Matthew was doing. As I'll tell you in this book, he was keeping it a secret. Over those years, I didn't really try to intervene and confront him because the little I knew about addiction was that his sobriety was out of my hands. And like, it's just, it's a kind of like very distant little yes. forward. She doesn't share any like real anecdotes that are super fun other than like we had fun when we filmed the opening credits to friends and like the back of the book is a marta kaufman quote just being like he's so brave for writing this even though like lisa and like chandler they were like the funny ones but the person he talks about most in this book and again this is him maybe wanting to be her but thinking he's attracted to her and is mad that he never got her the most person he interacts with in this book of the cast of friends is Aniston. Yeah, he has this huge crush on Aniston. And, and he like asked her out before Friends started. Like then... three years ago, and she says no. Then she is the second one to confront him about his addiction. Yeah. And I just feel like it is this horny incel thing where he's making sure he puts the Aniston parts in the book the most, also because she's the most famous. And he's yeah. like, then Aniston came into my room. I was so nervous. She looked at me and said, we can smell it on you. Yeah. And I was so embarrassed. But it's also kind of like, I feel like she's cucking him and he's a little bit turned on by it. But then when he loses his V card to Carrie Fisher's half-sister. Yes. She, I think she really does kind of as like, look, slow down. And gives him, they have like two, so, sex for two minutes. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I can't get it up. And then she's like, no, let's go back. And he's like, she laid me down. And then I was able to get my like little rooster in gear or whatever. And I do feel like she maybe she was doing light touch. It felt very Annie tickle play to me. It felt very polyamory dating where I feel like it was like she was just like. <laughs> and then like Carrie slow, Fisher's half sister, half blowing. Slow hand job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can we talk about friends for a second just to get out of like Sadland? So yeah. he gets the part. He's the last person to be cast on the show. Also, everyone friends since it is such a successful show and we all know it, every story, it makes me believe that God exists in a way. I'll tell you this. Because there's so, everyone's personal story to getting their part it's is fate. like so miraculous yes. and fate and it had to happen and they were almost a mistake, but then they got there. They got the call. So you do believe in God and ultimately you yeah. are in AA. And Basically, <laughs> I'm in AA and like Ma I believe in God with Matthew and I think fate is real. So he and God needed there to be an ensemble comedy that went on for ten years. The chemistry was electric. It was magic. You don't we even, all knew we it. We all knew it. So he's hanging out at Formosa with Hank Azaria and Craig Bierko and the David Pressman. And Craig Bierko gets offered the role in Friends they're Like all, Us. They're all auditioning. So it's the hottest script in town. And everyone is like, everyone knows about it, and everyone's reading for it. And like he had auditioned for it, but Craig Bierko ends up getting offered the part. And then Craig Bierko is also offered the lead role in, in an, another show that's called like Best Friends. Best Friends. And meanwhile, Matthew, just like stu sitcom era, he's attached to a show called like Space Martian 2710. It's called LAX 2194. Okay. And it's about him being a baggage handler. And all the passengers at LAX are aliens played by little people. <laughs> So it's like, it's like so oompa if you, loompa. If you thought Friends was canceled. You thought Friends was canceled. I'm like, that, that show sounds so iconically bad. Um, so Craig Bieger gets offered the part. He tells Hank, Azaria, and Matthew over one of their iconic boys' lunches. And Matthew is like, 
heartbroken, but he's like, you know what, Craig, you should take Friends Like Us because it's the better show and it's a really good role and you need to do it. Then they go to a payphone. Because it's the 90s. Craig Bierko calls his manager and Matthew Perry is standing right there as he hears Craig Bierko tell his manager that he actually wants best, best friends. Best friends. Then Matthew Perry goes to Fred Siegel yeah. <laughs> and uses the phone. And he... Where maybe my cousin Monica, a friend of the pod, was working Literally at the time, get her on right now. she was in the denim department. <laughs> and he calls his agent, who he's had Doug or whatever since he's had since 92, and he's like, I need that role, whatever happens. Then, of course, it's so big Armani suit, like... Hollywood players like being married to each other and it's like the casting person from Friends was dating someone at Fox and they were like what's the deal with Matthew Perry is he still attached to Martians 254 yeah. and they're like oh yeah but that show is so bad it's about like Koompa Loompas <laughs> and so they get him out of it and they get him on Friends and the rest is herstory and and then, and then Craig Bierko doesn't talk to him for two years. And he shows up. Because he's his, so butthurt. And I was like, it's your fault, bitch. And then Craig Bierko shows up at his house two years later and like apologizes. Yeah. Which is so dramatic and insane. Um, so wait, so this is when he first gets, this is like his description of all everybody in the cast. Uh, when they first start shooting friends. Courtney Cox is wearing a yellow dress and was cripplingly beautiful. I heard about Lisa Kudrow from a mutual friend, and she was just as gorgeous and hilarious and incredibly smart as my friend had said. Maddie LeBlanc was nice and a cool customer, and David Schwimmer had his hair cut really short. He'd been playing Pontius Pilate for a theater trip in Chicago over his hangdog face. It was incredibly funny right away. Warm and smart and creative. It's just like, he kind of doesn't do anything but praise everyone. The only time he ever really talks shit about anybody's book is when A, he's kind of says that Keon, it's weird that Keanu Reeves is alive and River Phoenix is dead. And then is... he says it again. And then I just saw yesterday, he's taking that out of the book in the next copies. That's so random. Which is so random because it's like... It's not uh, even that big of a deal what he says. But he, and he says it like twice, basically just saying like Keanu Reeves isn't smart. And it's like... Because he, he says, like, creative minds like me and River Phoenix, man, like, we flame out too soon. And yet Keanu Reeves is walking around. He's still walking this earth. Which I think is weird because I feel like oh, Keanu Reeves says has it, like, such a reputation of being, like, such a zen master and such a brilliant actor. And that's why people flipped out at him because people love Keanu. And Keanu's, Keanu like, has sensitive. a great Q score. And also Keanu is, like, has never been such a, like, womanizer. He's just kind of, like dated this like one sculptor yeah he's super non-toxic and Wait. then he says a, a, about chris farley that he's also done. like a mad genius and then he's like keanu still walking this earth okay wait but the other thing he got a touch is what so first of all when he shoots the movie fools rush in so then he starts to get like really famous and they're all getting movies they're all getting deals first of all he says fools rush in is his best film which is accurate which is fools rush in if you are russian to watching fools rush in that's an amazing movie <laughs> with him it's a but him and salma hayek <laughs> when he talks about her way of shooting oh yeah salma always had a very elaborate and lengthy idea about how to do a scene but her long-winded ideas weren't always helpful there's one scene in which I'm professing my love for her. She suggested that we don't look at each other. Rather, we should look out at our future together. After listening to this nonsense for about 20 minutes, it finally said, Listen, Selma, I'm telling you I love you in this scene. You look wherever you want, but I'm going to be looking at you. I was obsessed with that, and I was like, oh, I actually feel like that's so me. Um, thank you for bringing Fool's Rush in, because I feel like we should talk about that's how that started his bill addiction. 
because he, so wait, he's, why again? He's high because he's still he's drinking. First, he's just like drinking a ton yeah, of alcohol. and he's like an alcoholic. Oh and... wait, and then he gets pancreatitis, which you can only get if you if you are an alcoholic. Well, yeah, you can get it other ways, but he is sent to at age thirty. It's unheard of unless right. you're an alcoholic. He's doing fools rush in, and they're like on a lake, and he's like, "Oh man, I want a jet ski." You know, these big Hollywood players, they can do what they want, and they're like, "Oh, we have to." Film the birth scene. Fool's rush in alert. It's a big scene. Um, Spoiler alert. Not just alert. Fool's rush in alert. alert. New phrase, though. (laughs) And Spoilers rush in. He does go on a jet ski. On Lake Mead, which for those of you in the climate community has really receded over the past 20 years. He um, goes flying in an instant. Everyone rushes the crew. They save him. His back hurts. They film the scene. Then he asks if he can, like, drive the Mustang that he's given for, you know, the movie back to his Vegas rental. The doctor, he's like, oh, my back is killing me from my crazy jet ski, like, accident. Doctor gives him a pill, said, take this. And he that said, was the start of said, it. driving back from New Mexico to Vegas, he was like, it felt like warm honey. I never felt more amazing. Cut to, like, two years later, he's on... At his high point, he was on 1,800 milligrams of Vicodin a day. 1,800 it's milligrams so... of Vicodin a day. And for and like, as he said, it's like when they prescribe you hydrocodone, like after you've had surgery, it's like a 0. 0.5 yeah. milligram pill. He's literally on 4,000 times as much Vicodin as you would take. And then, and then he'll be at, they'll, they'll give him like a little drip of Ativine and then ketamine therapy. And this is at rehab. Well, the way he gets, which is most of fucking America, addicted to stuff, is being in rehab for another thing, and then they give you another thing to help that, and then you get constantly getting weaned off and on. So you're like, well, now I'm out of it, and now you're on Suproxen. It never ends. He says this funny. He's like, and if you look at his weight, his just appearance over the course of Friends, it's like really obvious how he's like ballooning. Thin, thin, cocaine. Thin was coke and pills. Bloated with alcohol. alcohol. Goatee was a lot of pills. (laughs) (laughs) And I've always wanted a goatee. And I feel like no one likes goatees. So when I read that, I was like, I like I thought goatees and like as a kid were the coolest thing yeah. you could do. But a goatee symbolizes something is wrong in your life. Totally. No, a a goatee is kind of in the same way that when a gay guy over 30 dyes his hair blonde, he is in a personal crisis. I feel like straight men do a mustache just show their long-term partner they have independence and, like, can do whatever they want. And mm. then goatee is... <laughs> mustache is the most mild form of, like... Yeah, like, I can do what I want. Of declaration of self. Yeah. Like, I'm still absolutely <laughs> uh, your property just, and I will do whatever you say, but I have just as What if I did this? What if I did it? And... Goatee is like, I'm getting divorced. I'm buying the gold earring. Yeah. I'm drinking whiskey yeah. strippers. I'm making some really poor real estate choices. Yes. Like, and <laughs> I'm selling the condo at a loss. Um, One little fun moment I want to talk about just to kind of talk about his loss of women he could have dated. But also this is 90s and hilarious and just a little break from the, the Vicodin. He dated Julia Roberts for a few months and they dated via fax. Which, who also did, harken back to CBC episode numero uno. Entre with- Agassi and Barbara Streisand. Yes. Sexiest form of flirtation. So 
Julia Roberts was going to be on the episode, the one after the Super Bowl. In the end, all of our efforts worked. Not only did Julia agree to do the show, but she also sent me a gift. Bagels. Lots and lots of bagels. Sure, why not? It was Julia fucking Roberts. Thus began a three-month-long courtship by Daily Faxes. This was pre-internet, pre-cell phone. All our exchanges were done by fax. And there were many, hundreds. At first, it was the edges of romance. I sent her poems, asked her the name, the triple crown line, and Los Angeles Kings, that kind of thing. Just daily faxes to Julia Roberts. Yeah. And then she's into him, and he can't take it. He breaks up with he her. He breaks up with, with her. her. Can you imagine? Breaking up with Julia Roberts. And I think he's almost a bit addicted to even that story. That yes. he's like, yeah, I'm the guy who blew it all. I'm the guy who had the world handed to him on a silver platter and fucked it up. There is a real martyr complex there that he, that he cannot escape. That he loves feeling sorry for himself. No, he, every relationship he talks about what I would do to trade it to not have the money. To not have a house with a gorgeous palatial ocean view of the Pacific Ocean. Right. But and ultimately, he, at the same time, he's always admitting that he's like, I thought fame could fill these holes. I know it can't, but that doesn't make me want it any less. And I, and like, I know that everyone, like Craig, even, who he's like not as close with anymore, is like, Craig still wishes he, he could be Chandler. He could have been Chandler and could be as famous, even though that wouldn't make him happy either. And even though he has the house and the kid and the dog and no addiction. He said something that did give me shivers. He was like, everyone wants, thinks fame will fix everything until you're famous. And clearly it didn't fix him. But then there's these examples of people where it's like, Aniston clearly like, you know, she's the success story of the show by far. Yeah. And she's parlayed it into a, just a, a long, steady career with all sorts of roles. Sure, the thing with Brad Pitt didn't work out or with Justin Theroux. And maybe she is sad in that way. But and she didn't have kids. But also, why are we making Aniston want kids? Thank you. A woman has more value than her fucking uterus. This book actually made me think of kind of David Schwimmer the most. Because to me, he's a little more like, what? Like, Courtney had her career. Has her career. When now she's so like, I'm on TikTok no, randomly. Now, and I'm like, of course, like cackling away all of her like TikToks of her like chasing her lesbian dog walker yeah. in a park. Lisa Kudrow, comeback. Iconic. Matt LeBlanc had episodes which like was a critical hit, but like is it probably. It was kind a, of like the entourage no one watched, but yeah. it was on for six years. And I was always like trying. David Schwimmer just like. Owns like a bar and grill in Chicago. Called Rocket Bar and Grill that I got like sliders at once to be like, okay, I'm at David Schwimmer's. Maybe he does, like, theater at the Steppenwolf or something like I'm that. I'm sure he's been in a role or two at the Steppenwolf. But I think he doesn't really care. He's not really trying to, No, I guess, if I do He's movies. happy with the great big not terrible thing, which was being yeah. on Friends for a decade. And then being the richest man in the world. I want to talk about addiction versus partying, because he talks about Bruce Willis as yeah. being another example of, like, the guy who's really famous and also has it all. But, of course, you know, now Bruce Willis is ruined the price. Exactly. So um, he doesn't have it all. Bruce is someone who can party, and when they're shooting the whole nine yeah. yards in Montreal, amazing Bruce, movie, by the way. Bruce rents out the entire top floor of a hotel and calls it Club Z for some reason. <laughs> also, they're at the Hotel Intercontinental. <laughs> <laughs> but this thing about he's like Bruce Willis could turn it on and then turn it off. We could party all night. Then everyone was at was at their trailer at six a.m. ready to shoot the whole nine yards. And he was like, and when he would get the script for the Sixth Sense, he'd be sober. He'd do the movie, and it's like. I could. I could never do that. And like, he would show up to friends and be sober, but he couldn't actually 
Like he would be sober while they were shooting like those like three hours they were shooting the show, but then it'd be immediately back to drugs and alcohol. And he was always like hungover showing up to set and all that. No, I mean the, here we go. Spoiler alert. The scene where he marries Monica. Yeah. They had to like drive him from Promises, drop him off, pick him back up. Crazy. Back to Promises. And he was able to turn it on for this show. Which but... is insane. And it's like. Which I'm impressed by. Yeah. Well, and you know, I thought about this. You know, to get raw, to get personal, I yeah. thought about this. You know, I think I was I think you're like this too, but I'm a partier and I can turn it off. And I think like, you know, when I struggled with alcoholism a year ago that I will mm-hmm. speak openly about yes. on my on the at the red table. Um, when I went through a really traumatic breakup, I started drinking a lot. And I was just kind of like drinking every day. And I was being so Matthew Perry because I remember when we recorded the Ulysses S. Grant episode, yeah. which was very the marriage episode. I remember sobbing all night on the phone because I'd just yeah. seen like new photos of him and the guy. And I was on the phone with you and I was like, it's just Rivers. You can do it. And meanwhile, friend of the pod, Sam, was also on the phone with me going, girl, fuck Ulysses S. Grant. <laughs> yeah. Like, you need to record like, your podcast. No one cares. You're going through a personal crisis. And I'm just like two fingers deep yeah. in the whiskey. Ultimately, we recorded that episode and it was really yeah. fun. And I Chandler banged. But then when I like saw the doctor a month later for a normal checkup, she was like, oh, your liver numbers are really high. You need to stop drinking. And I just stopped right there. And then it was and I was able to, you know, it wasn't like, oh, my God, I, I don't know how I'm going to go without my wine, <laughs> without my natural wine for a day. <laughs> it was like, oh, this is fine. And I'm blessed to not have the disease that is addiction. No, and you were able to, and then your father famously said, after your levels went down. After my levels, yeah, became normal. My dad was like, Stephen, you have to cap it at three martinis a night. Okay, and that's what a man is allowed. And so so I have three martinis every single night as per my father's orders. I will say, I do feel like I'm a part of reading this book. I did feel scared. About the ability to be addicted. Yeah. What could you not say no to? Your no mechanism isn't as developed. Yeah, I think. But you're always being like, I'm going to go home. I guess that's what I'm being like, <laughs> lesbian and saying no. <laughs> like, you you know, you're, you're always you're like, like, I'm good. I've seen you say, I'm good many times. <laughs> I guess I just want to talk about the colostomy bag. And that's, I guess, what really scared me. It was like, not that I'm, I also, I well, hate pills, but it was, just, it it's just so like, depressing. It, and it seems like that was maybe the thing that really pushed him to like kind of stop. But I think what's also, what I will say, what I really like about this book is that it's extremely recent. It was written like yeah. um, two months ago. And he's still like not even sober really at the end of the book. He's like, well, I'm still on Suboxone and I'm still smoking cigarettes, even though they told me like I'm going to die of cigarettes and like it's really bad for my like. And his lesbian roommate is taking away. We haven't even gotten into Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just sidebar. His like sober companion, best friend, assistant, um, who he met in rehab is this lesbian named Aaron. And he's it's perfect because I can have female companionship and we can talk about chicks together. Like, I need to see it. I feel like she's Futch to me. I am getting... You think she's, like, hard femme? When you say Futch, you just mean that her hair is, like, short but longer on one side. And, like, she wears a little bit of makeup. Yeah, I think I think that's true. No, I don't think she's hard femme. But to your point, it is very nice not to have this, like, Robert Downey Jr. or Rob Lowe thing just being like, and I found God and I'm surfing and everything and is I'm, amazing. Yeah, now I'm so happy. Yeah. He's kind of just like, no, he's not there. And I st- and he still doesn't have, like, a wonderful relationship or family or any of the things that he wanted. And he's like, yeah, I still have all this friend's money and I always will, but 
that's every day is a fucking struggle. It's a journey. The one other thing I just wanted to point out that I really liked was um, there's this moment where the producer of Friends like takes the whole cast to Vegas at the oh, they've shot season yes. one, but it's not out yet. And he's like, gives them each a hundred dollars. He's like, go have fun, go gamble, go be out in Vegas in the casinos because this is the last time you'll ever be able to do this and be anonymous. And it's funny, actually, the producers on iHeart, they did the same thing to us. <laughs> they took us to Atlantic City and they said, here's $20 to play the slots. You'll never be able to do this. You're a paparazzi. Um, we, we immediately <laughs> lost it playing a crazy rich Asian slot machine. <laughs> Seven seconds later. You'll never be able to go to Nobu again. You'll have to get the private room. But you'll probably blow we were, all your money first. And then we were like, all right, gang, I guess it's back to New York. And they were like, you guys have to take the bus. <laughs> Celebrity Book Club. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claims for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. 
Could, Could there, there be, be any more segments? segments? How does she live? How does she wear? <laughs> what does she eat? Okay, what does he eat? I feel like he's like nauseous from all the pills. I mean, a lot of the time he's not eating anything. And then like Aaron's being like, have this banana smoothie. Um. Also, he talks about like all of his like LA meetings at Spago. And he's like, we had dinner in quotes. Yeah, because it's like everyone's being so L.A. and pushing their food around. And I think just like everyone is getting a pasta primavera and no one's eating it. He's not a foodie. When your mom is low-key fucking Pierre Trudeau, like you're not a foodie. You're being like, it's there's pasta hors d'oeuvres, there's old shrimp like at an Ottawa function. And but especially it's like, if you then move to your L.A. and your dad is the Old Spice man, it's very like, heat up a hungry man. Yeah. A Celeste pizza for one. I love that. Also, the reveal that the dad doesn't wear Old Spice. Oh, yeah. That was Never really shit where you eat. <laughs> um, What does he wear on the wear. show? We know what he wears. Big yeah. Billy Wee shirts. Well, he says, though, his favorite type of outfit is T-shirt over long sleeve, which is very 90s. I mean, now he's More in just skater. like. Um, but yeah, now he wears just also kind of like it's less like totally 90s. And he's wearing kind of like just sad workout clothes. Absolutely sad. That's like Lucy clinging it's, to his nipples. It's, it's clinging to like the sides of his man boobs, but yes. then there's always like a scoop neck that's good kind of turned. Oh. They're getting like it's always or like it's or it's a new scoop neck, but it's still clinging in a weird way. And then like I think nothing fits because he's like always yo-yoing, and so it's just like he's never really like in a. He, I feel like his physicality has changed in a lot. I mean, I think what's something that's interesting about the book is like how uncomfortable he feels like in his own body with, with the his sex stomach. stuff, and then the stomach stuff, and then like the weight changing all the time. And like sometimes he's working out and he has these big arms. I mean, when he does, like Cameron Diaz accidentally punches him in the face. Yes. Like, and then he's trying to. He gets his arms like tanned to go on this date with her. Like, he just never really feels at home no. in his body. Which um, you can always tell. Yeah. And he's had about like 18 surgeries on his stomach. Which also maybe speaks to the gay thing. This disconnect. Yeah, with the body. From the body and from the physical pleasures and from the physical reality. Um, He's also very housewise. Like in this whole book, he's like renovating his house and living in this like penthouse, which is also like celebrity. I'm searching for something. I just feel like he's always selling and then like buying a new yes, house. It's and very Ellen DeGeneres. And they're, I just think they're so selling Sunset. They're yes. the most yes. just like celebrity put this house on the market for six point seven million and then bought this house for five point two and it's just so indoor a outdoor pool, space and there's a like, pool and kind brand of, new furniture and like one like wooden piece of wood on the wall and, and a fire one of those like outdoor so many fires outdoor fires with a button and then like a big modern couch but that's like soulless yeah. Very, very soulless. Um, who are you in the book not to pry? <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I really, honestly, I hate to admit this, but I do think that I'm Craig Bierko. And I think that I would be like, I'm going to take this, the one where I'm the star. I'm not going to do, like, we get offered some big sitcom together. Oh, and I, I'm like, I was thinking about us at, and we're sitting at um, mm, Rolos. Right. And then like I and we're like always talking shit, but then it's like I get offered this thing where I can be the main star. I'm like, no, that's what I need to do. And that completely fails. And then you go on to make a million dollars an episode and we don't speak for two years. I was gonna say you're his mom, you're Trudeau's press. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm yeah. also her. Wait, of course I'm her. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I'll be right home. Come with me. <laughs> and you're like, oh, <laughs> um, 
I do feel like, even though everyone, you know, I'm kind of obviously the Joey, how you doing? But I've also, also felt like I was the Chandler. Who are you in front? Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. According to friends, BuzzFeed, I would say you are more Chandler Aniston. Chaniston. Chaniston. Because I always just thought I was a Rachel. Mm, I feel like you want to be a Rachel, but... Are you at the end As of the I day? As I do kind of feel like I'm Rachel because I'm just like, she's not actually like good at anything. She's kind of a master of none in this way, which I identify with. Where it's like, Monica really is like so intense about but her I cooking. Like and so... David is, you know, and Ross is such a nerd. And like, like Chandler and Rachel are the ones who kind of like their careers are the most just like, what exactly? Well, the whole joke about Chandler is that. No one knows, knows what his job does. is. The weenus. And like Joey is more just like upfront about his passions, and you know, and you are and very so, in touch with your passions, and like subs, and that's the whole thing, right? I wouldn't say I feel like you're actually less of a master of not. You're almost maybe more of a Ross because you actually like are like always dating someone, but also being like look like at the constellations, and you are taking Rachel to the planetarium, right? And I do love the planetarium. I guess is your boyfriend more now the Ross? My boyfriend's definitely the Ross. I will Ross say this. Ross. I feel like to the outside world, you and I are basically Phoebe's because she's the only like alt one right. on the show. We're hippies. We're total. We're hippies and we're crazy and we like we've like been to concerts before, which is like. <laughs> I like all the and like all the other characters are so not that and they're just like mm, she's so sketch. <laughs> we could also be Chandler and Joey and we are so asshole one asshole two and you have an office job and like oh we are Chandler and Joey okay yeah fine I'm Chandler okay. all right um I, can, I give this book at the end of the day I do give this book a two point six colossal bags out of five I appreciated the honesty the the fair amount of tea of other yeah. like celebrity moments like when he's making out with Valerie Bertinelli while Eddie Van Halen's asleep on the couch like yeah there are fun. those fun moments and I also like the honesty that he's like st- that he doesn't very that he honest. doesn't wrap up the narrative so tightly at the end no I'm gonna give it a 2.9 renovated homes out of renovated homes while you're in rehab I think because of the honesty and like the friends backstories but there was like something missing that I wasn't like mm, I love this but in it, but I think that also might be just reflective of him, and that's maybe why this book is quite a good artifact because it also is really depressing in a feel like an educational way. Yeah, it definitely makes me feel less anxious about becoming successful in the entertainment industry, mm-hmm. about fame about and your f- wants, about fame and desire, and realizing that that's never going to fill no. the hole the hole that only a dick can fill exactly <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're learning here so um go out and find fame or blank anyway um be careful about pills yeah and don't get a class me bag know your limits and audition best best <laughs> The one where we recorded at the iHeart Studios. Could Darby Masters be more of the producer-editor? Could Abu Safar do a better job being the supervising producer-editor? Could Christina Everett be more of a fabulous executive producer? Could Bahid Frazier be more of an amazing engineer? Could we have created this with Prologue Projects originally? I don't think so. Stephen Phillips' horse made the theme song inspired by Hootie and the Blowfish. Teddy Blanks did some amazing cover art.
Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.